Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Matthew Sweetwood, or Matt Sweetwood, as I'll be calling him, the CEO of Greener Process Systems, Inc. Matt is a serial entrepreneur and startup founder with over 30 years of business experience. He's the CEO, as I mentioned, of Greener Process Systems, an internationally known professional speaker, author, coach, photographer, and social media influencer. However, his greatest achievement is having raised five successful children to adulthood as a single dad. He is a frequent national TV and publication contributor and has a number one best-selling book, Leader of the Pack, How a Single Dad of Five Led His Kids, His Business, and Himself from Disaster to Success. Uh, well, I, I'm so excited to, to have this chat. I really believe it's going to be helpful, and I'm ready to, to learn something as well. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Jono, thanks for having me. And after that, I think I have to shorten my bio and it's just going to be some guy from New Jersey who survived. Okay, that's it. <laughs> your, your bio is short. You should see. It's really funny. I, I said a couple of episodes ago with another guest that um, you can always tell when the bio has been uh, you know, you've, you've got someone who's someone in marketing or something has done it up for another area and they flick that through and it's like, and then in, in 1985, they completed their fourth master's. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, yours is great. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, no. I think it's, we're going to shorten that. We're, we're going to make it like a Twitter bio. Oh, you know, okay. Just, I like that. You know, I got like a hundred, 160 characters. I got to basically give my life story and that's it. That's a good, uh, <laughs> that, that would be a good challenge. So for our listeners, can you give them firstly a bit of a window into what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, I actually have my the most exciting project of my very long and painful career, um, and it's actually not so painful right now, is uh, a company called Greener Process Systems. And we have a very, very unique and innovative device that reduces the emissions from ocean-going ships when they're in port to near zero. It's patented. Wow. And we're going to be installing these systems in several ports in Italy next year and hope to, you know, move this into worldwide production and installation um, because uh, ship pollution, particularly from ports near cities, is a major problem. It's a major health problem. It's a major air pollution problem. Um, here in the United States, uh, we have all these container ships lined up out of uh, Los Angeles, California and the city of Long Beach is suffering greatly from terrible air pollution. And we have the solution at Greener. Incredible. That's that's an amazing business and, and very timely. Uh, just hearing that, I can really hear how that, that would be. Uh, it it seems, yeah, just just hearing, hearing you unpack that, it sounds like it would be a really the right time, well, if not too, too late, right? Like there's no time better than now than to start – um, changing some of yeah, these things. Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the big issue that the business faces is is sort of compelling, you know, the ports 
which operate independent sometimes of the cities and so on, they're like, you know, it's kind of like not our problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, the ports do care. Everybody does care. It's just a question of who pays for it and, you know, how do you get these things installed? And it, it will make a huge, huge difference. And there's actually a monetary uh, incentive for doing this. And there's been studies that show the health costs in ter- of, of people who get sick from air pollution, particularly around the ports, is, is, it's, it's enormous. And the, the medical costs, the lost hours at work and so on over the long haul. So actually, we really feel like the cost of the system is actually easily, easily accounted for in the savings. So we're hoping to get a lot of governments behind this and a lot of ports behind this and even the shipping companies and, uh, and be able to do this you know, on a worldwide basis and make a big difference. Incredible. I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, I'm also excited to hear about your story. And I know listeners would appreciate hearing as far back as you want to go, which I know isn't, isn't that far back. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you, are you're a young man. Um, so what, what, what are some of the moments, Matt, that really shaped you becoming the leader you are today? I think, you know, when you, when you, when you, I like to do this in tombstone fashion, right? So if you ask me that question and I had to write the answer on my tombstone, what would I answer? Oh, I like that. I think the answer would be the day that my wife, the mother of my five kids walked out on us and I instantly became a single dad of five kids ages 18 months, one still in diapers, three eight years old. So that was the moment that my life completely changed and leadership became a matter of necessity and survival as opposed to a choice. Wow. Can you, I, I can't even uh, fathom that, Matt. Can you, can you describe a little bit more around, um, and I know your book um, uh, delves into this, but describe a bit more around that day I, I, and for listeners, just because that's, I know I, I always try to think like a listener and I can just imagine people just with head and hands going, oh my goodness, how do you even stay, stay standing on mm-hmm. a day like that? Yeah. And I, I, I for me, it was, uh, you know, was that kind of moment, uh, you know, this was one of those circumstances where you get into relationship, you make mistakes, you know, in the relationship and, you kind of imagine or try to make believe like everything is okay. It wasn't like all of a sudden one day this person just walked out. This person was having significant emotional problems, was highly abusive, which I detail in my book, Leader of the Pack, yeah. um, which you mentioned in the opening. I, I talk deeply about this, about the events that led up to that and the, the lack of self-esteem on my part and how one one gets caught in an abusive relationship. What I will tell you is my, my book has, I don't know, 140 something five-star reviews on Amazon. Um, but a lot of the reviews talk about, you know, it, how it significantly helped them understand how they remained in abusive relationships, you know, and this is not just about women, mm. right? You typically yeah. when you say someone's in an abusive relationship. You think, Oh, well, you know, the guy is abusing her, he's hitting her, whatever he's doing. But, Abusive relationships run both ways. And one of the things that people always say to you is, well, why didn't you just leave? Why did you let that happen? Why did you have five kids with a woman that was 
doing this. And I think that I do a, a pretty good job, and I know my reviewers have said so, I do a pretty good job of walking people through the kinds of mindset and the kinds of brainwashing that another person can do to a, a spouse or a close, close you know, connection in a way that you become confused in your own reality, confused in understanding of what, of what is acceptable. And you get caught in these relationships, and it's only after you're out that you have the opportunity to to really reflect on that and hopefully grow and prevent it from happening again. And in mm. this case, this was a person who was treating children very badly and was treating me very badly and, and herself was suffering from significant, you know, significant psychological issues. And I was just like sweeping them under the rug, like everything's going to be okay. I'm just going to go to work and she's going to take care of these kids and then have another kid and take care of that kid and have another kid. And the house is a mess and the money's being spent and there's craziness going on. And then it all sort of, it all sort of collapsed literally, not necessarily in one day. Yep. And metaphorically, I say, you know, the day that she walked out, but that day was really over, you know, a month or two of her slowly moving out and breaking things in the house and showing back up and torturing the kids and leaving and my confusion over what was going on, the thought I'd be alone, my wife's leaving me. And so it was a very dramatic moment in my life. And ultimately that moment, you know, which is why I really enjoyed that first question you asked me, because it was the moment when I had a man up and, you know, really <laughs> take things, take things under control and become a leader or things were going to really fail for me. And of course that didn't happen overnight either. That was with a period of feeling sorry for myself and having no clue how to parent because this was at a time when, you know, dad went off to work with the briefcase yeah. and mom stayed home and took care of the kids. And, you know, um, you really had nothing to do with anything other than patting the kids on the head when you got home and throwing the football around with them or answering a math question, giving them a hug and you go to bed. So for me, it was mm. a very <coughs> confusing time, <coughs> excuse me, and a time when I had to figure myself out. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. That's okay. Grabbed a sip of water, went down the wrong way, as they say. <laughs> That's right. Take a moment. So for me, for me, that was, that was a time when it was very confusing for me. <clears throat> you know, on one hand, I, I was confused about <clears throat> a woman leaving me. I was confused about being a parent. I had a business to run. On the other hand, I was relieved, right, that this, this, this abuse had <clears throat> come to an end and maybe I can find a life for myself and my children. So for me, that transitional period was really fundamental. And, you know, crazy time for me, a really crazy time. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I, I'd love to know, like you said, for you, it was a, it was a man up sort of um, pivotal transformational moment. As you, as you went from there, what, do you remember specifically, I guess, a moment in those next few years that really was a, a maybe maybe a moment where you realized actually i'm okay now or actually i can do this was there do you remember a moment like that yeah i think 
I think it's a funny moment. I actually wrote a blog about this. I wrote an article about this. You know, it comes in steps, but I think the one the one moment that I had was I was in a um, a kid's sort of amusement place. It's called Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I don't know if it's I don't know if they're even still around. I've definitely heard of it, but it's like one <laughs> of these places where people where people take their kids for like birthday parties and. They have like, you know, a little mini bowling and they've got arcade and, the, you know, and the kids do things and they serve pizza. And there's a little Chuck E. Cheese clown that comes out. You, you can imagine the place. And I remember I took I took a couple of my kids to this place because one of them had a birthday party there, you know, a friend's birthday party. And I was sitting in there and the mothers are walking by looking at me like, like, what are you doing here? Like, well, you don't belong here. You know, they're all talking in a clutch, probably whispering like there's the guy whose wife left him or, you know, thinking that they believe some of the things that she said about me. I did this to her. I did that to her. I did whatever. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this place and I'm thinking to myself, this place is like the stupidest place ever. <laughs> the pizza is rotten. And I'm, I'm a Jersey guy, right? So we're, we're proud of our pizza. This is like, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know like a assembly line shipped from, you know, some factory kind of pizza. The place smells like urine because, you know, there's lots of little kids there. The floor is sticky. I'm like, why am I here? I go, you know why I'm here? I'm here because you're trying to be like a mom. You know, so I said, that's, that's not going to be a successful strategy. You don't do that at work. You don't take the guy who's really good, you know, at running the books and have him go work in the warehouse. Actually, I did do that, but that's a whole different story. But you don't, that's not his permanent job working in the warehouse. Okay, that's a business story. We can, we can, we can get to that one later. Um, you, you, gotta, you gotta be who you are. You gotta be true to yourself. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with parent these kids, these kids like a father. You wanna do something with them. Let's do something you like to do. Let's do something that really makes sense. So the end result of this was, you know, I started I said, what am I going to do? I want to do something with my kids. I'm not taking them to these things. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I ended up getting season's tickets to a hockey game, to a hockey club, the Jersey Devils. And I ended up taking my kids all the time to hockey games. And this became sort of a bonding moment. I felt like I was really being parenting like a dad. And it wow. really changed the dynamic, this kind of thinking. It's not just the hockey games. It was the dynamic that, you know, I don't have to be a mom. Okay, mom left. I can be a dad. Dad's good enough, right? Dad's more than good enough. In fact, dad's great. So we're just going to be a dad and we're going to raise these kids like we're a dad. Because I'm sorry, there is a difference between the way moms and dads treat their kids. And I'm sorry if that gets me in trouble in some way in this crazy world we live in, <laughs> but it's okay. true. And, um, and I'm just going to do this and things are going to work out. And to this day, we go to Devil's Game still and I'm talking 20, 25 years later. I, my son, who lives close to me here in Florida, um, we go to the hockey games, we talk sports. We, it sort of became a bonding thing for me. But the lesson that I really came to realization over time is that you have to be true to yourself and stick to what you know best. Use your skill set. And for me, that was a turning point because it also reflected in sort of having belief and trust in myself to do what I think is right and not because yeah. other people are doing it and so on. I know it sounds a little cliche, but it actually was a pivotal moment in my life where I really, I really just knew I had to do something different. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's not trivial. I think that 
that makes sense. And we've all had those moments where something dawns on us in a funny, in a funny place and for a funny reason. And yet at the same time you go, something really changed there. The penny really dropped and, and I hit a wall there and went, no, actually I'm going to, I'm going to shift and, and do something different. Um, I just, I want to ask you about what you learned in that like incredibly challenging time in your personal life that you were that you've been able to apply in business are there any are there any lessons from being a single dad but I, I guess particularly in those first few years when you went through that that you think yeah that really shaped my leadership or I learned I learned what not to do or I learned what that that really shaped how I made these sort of decisions in business yeah I, I think um, you know I, I I've written quite a few uh, articles before I actually got to write my book. And one of the most successful articles that I've ever written, it actually was featured on LinkedIn as best of the day kind of thing. It had it was a viral article and it was entitled, what's the difference between great parenting and great leadership? And to me, that's at the heart of your question. Yeah. So the answer is there's lots of things you learn when you go through something like that. And lots of things you learn when you're raising children in such an intense environment that you apply back and forth and things that you learn at work that you apply at home. I think the first big lesson that I learned from my personal situation is that failure wasn't an option. I looked at my kids. They were little kids. They looked up at me and they're like, dad, what are we going to do? Well, yeah, it's all on me, right? I got to figure it out. Like, what are we going to do? And failure is not an option. I can't have the kids go hungry. I can't have the kids turn into drug dealers or end up in prison or losers or whatever. I, I very badly wanted them to succeed. And I ran a business at the time. I ran an electronics business that I cannot even begin to tell you how difficult the business was between technological disruptions and competition and government regulation and changing distribution channels. It was like a ridiculous business. And so you sort of build this industrial strength fortitude that says you are going to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to succeed. You're not failing. You are going to be mm. relentless in your pursuit of finding a solution and success. And I think that that, and, and the victories you have along the way, you know, I think back with my kids, I didn't know anything about how to really take care of them, you know, and you get them to, you get them to brush their teeth. And you're like, wow, that's a victory. I did that. I can do that. Okay, <laughs> next, right? We're gonna get them to we're gonna get them to tie their shoelaces on their own, and we're gonna get them to do this. And the same thing at work. You're faced with a declining market, a business that needs to be reinvented. You don't sit there and say, okay, that's it, business over. No, you sit there and you figure out how to reinvent that business. You work. You do whatever it takes in order to get it done. So I think that those that tenacity, that toughness, really came from that personal situation. On a more practical level, I think that a lot of the skills that I use that I had to learn in order to parent in an efficient way, I really took to work with me where you, you, you try to treat your staff members. I mean, I had a hundred people working for me and you, you try to think of your staff members as family members, almost sometimes like children. And that perspective allows you to do very creative things with them you know, to take the right person and put them in the mm. right position to think about how you actually want to approach. Actually, an example of that actually comes to mind 
I had, um, I had this young man, he was working in my accounting department. And one time I, I went into the office because his supervisor, his boss, our accounting manager had suddenly quit, had quit on the company. Yeah. And I walked into him and, and by the way, this man was legally blind. Wow. Um, and I, I went to him and, uh, and I'm like, John, you know, you're, are you okay? You know, the boss left, do we need to fill in the position? He goes, yeah, you know, we're a little shorthanded here. We can do it. And, and I watched him and, I, and I'm looking at him. He can barely see the screen. He used to like press his face up against the computer monitor. And I'm like, John, how, do you, how are you actually able to do this? He goes, I, I basically memorize the numbers. I, I look at them close on the paper and then I look at them close on the screen and I memorize them up and back. And so I watched him for a little bit and I realized that this guy was like a genius. So I didn't hire a new accounting manager. I promoted <laughs> him to accounting manager. Yeah, I love that. And he ran that accounting department for like the next 15 years successfully, just as an instance. Wow. And I can think of an instance sort of like that, that I did with my kids. One of my kids was having, was struggling, you know, the mother left and was, you know, all of them had various problems at times. And they told me that he had ADHD, you know, attention deficit disorder, and that I should give him drugs yep. and I should do this and I should do that with them. And I'm like, I'm not giving my kid drugs. I'm not doing that. So what can I do with him? Need to dispel his energy. I stuck him in competitive soccer. I made him play soccer. He hated it first, by the way, completely hated it. Made him play, but you know, you run like five miles on the field at nine years old and you don't have a lot of energy left to, to do things. And he wouldn't speak, but you got to speak to your teammates, right? And you can't not answer the coach. He'll make you run more laps. So um, it really opened him up. And the end result of that was a kid who got a college scholarship to, to play soccer and, you know, was an all-state player and stuff like that. So I think that this sort of mentality of taking that treatment that you have of, of your children, your family, and bringing it to your staff members is really useful. And then on the other hand, you know, when you're a single dad and you've got five little kids and you're running a household kind of part-time, right, because you're running the business, yeah. you better bring a business-like attitude to that. You know, and that comes from being really organized and, and having, you know, they say that work-life balance. I call it the work-life machine, right, <laughs> where you sort of are able to manage both sides by simply having your schedule, you know, mesh together. You know, at 10 o'clock, you speak to the president of this company. At 12 o'clock, you grab a quick lunch. At 1230, you meet with the kid's teacher at school. At 1 o'clock, you're back for the staff meeting. You know, you, you sort of create your life like that and you... You enter all of the kids' contacts in your contacts and you mix it all together and you create this entire life that allows you to manage it. So those business-like organizational skills. So to answer yeah. that question, I'm sorry if the answer went a little long, but I think it's such a, an important topic that the principles and some of the dynamics that you, you take as a parent really help you in business and leadership and vice versa. And if you view it like that, I think it really helps you in both areas and really makes you much more powerful and much more successful. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer. Um, and thank you, thank you for sharing that. Say we have a listener who is just heard you talk about work life balance and and leaned in because they might have a couple of kids and they and they're thinking, how on earth am I? You know, I'm really tearing my hair out about work life balance with a couple of kids. Maybe they have a partner and they hear you talk about being a single dad running a business with five kids. 
you talk about the work-life machine. What advice would you give to a leader who's listening, who's struggling with work-life balance? What advice would you give to them, particularly if they're in a stage with young kids or teenage kids about how to, how to do the work-life machine <laughs> sort of philosophy? <laughs> yeah. So what I would say is that I think work-life balance is a misnomer. I, I don't really actually like the term yep. because the balance is really wherever the need is. So there will be times when your kids need a lot of your time and there will be times when, you're, when your work life needs a lot of your time and there'll mm. be time when you need your own time. And what it comes down to is in my mind is how badly you want success. I always come back to this. It's my personal model. I always say, how badly do you want it? I, I say that to myself a lot, particularly when I'm not succeeding at something. Typically what I'll say to myself is if, if something is not going well, I'll say, Matt, do you really want this badly enough? Are you doing everything it takes to make it happen? Yeah. So what I'm suggesting is really a mindset. There's no magic, right? There's X number of hours in the day, there's Y number of hours you're going to sleep, and there's just Z number of tasks that have to be done. And so it's just a question of how badly do you want to succeed at work? How badly do you want your kids to feel loved or have their self-esteem built or spend time with them? How badly do you want to keep yourself in good physical shape? And I am a firm believer that if you want those things badly enough, you're basically going to stop complaining about them. You're going to stop trying to sort of create this schedule of work-life balance and you're just going to go mm. at it like a machine and you're going to deal with each thing that comes your way and you're going to put a smile on your face and you're going to realize that all of these things are leading you and your children to success what i what i love about that matt is see my take on it is um i once i once heard someone talk about balance and they made this great point this great point that we tend to think of balance as trying to find the compromise in the middle which which automatically pushes us towards doing a little bit where, where can i do a bit less of that and where can i do a bit less of that so i can find a compromise what i love about the work life machine idea that you've presented is which is what what i heard in this in this other talk was what if balance is more about embracing the tension and actually going outward. If you think of a seesaw, not trying to find that perfect middle point where you do less and less and compromise, but actually going extreme on both ends and finding that sort of balance where there's always going to be a tension, you embrace the tension. And that's what I hear you talking about saying, you know what, you're not going to find this. If you're raising kids and particularly if you're running a business or in a senior role, you're not going to find this perfect, um, you know, utopian uh, sort of sort of balance where everything you only need to do x y or z in the day and then you can go and spend the perfect amount of time it's like no there'll be a there'll be a time and a season where you need to go massive on really investing um in your kids and you have to be there heaps then and then there'll be a time in work when you need to do that and then you'll need to have a time where it's really big on personal i, I think that is a a radically different approach to work-life balance uh, and and i really i really love it yeah, and I, and I really think the key component of that is the mindset, is that mm. the mindset is that I want all of these things to be successful. I chose to work for this company. I chose to have these kids. I chose to live in this house with the big lawn, and I chose to marry this person that I did. 
And I really want all of them. Maybe you don't. Maybe you really don't want them all to be. I don't know. But if you really want them all to be successful, then stop sort of focusing on creating that equilibrium and just do everything that has to be done and understand that this is fun. This is really what life is about. This is about yeah. being successful. So that's why I, I also I come back to it. It's like, how badly do you want success? If you do, you'll find pleasure in in all of these tasks and making this happen because you will reap the rewards. If mm. you really put the time in and you put the effort in and you have a good heart about it, you're going to reap the rewards in the end. Jono, I think we lost you there. Oh, sorry. Yes, that just just had a um a loss of connection for a second. Um, I love yeah, I love no what problem. you talk. I love what you talked about there, Matt, around um having I guess that real sense of my like coming back to the belief and the mindset. I, I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about uh, the mindset for someone listening who goes, you know what, I'm. I'm really struggling. I, I don't. I don't have that mindset. How do you reinvent yourself? I know you're passionate about that. When it comes to, when it comes to mindset, when it comes to looking at yourself and going, I'm not happy with this. What advice would you give to someone listening who goes, I want to be. I want to be like that. Personal reinvention. Yeah, yeah, and I. I think that whenever I and I've coached many, many people over over my years, it's one of the things I do. I give back from everything that I've been through. And I've had people come to me with that kind of problem. And what's been a successful method for me is to first say to them, okay, step back for a second. What is it? Let's say you didn't have any of these burdens on you. You didn't have any of these things. What would you like your life to look like? And I will tell you, when I ask that question, I never get an answer. They don't know. <laughs> Yeah. And to me that, and it's happened every single time they're, they're bitching about this and they've got too much work and they don't like their boss and they're this and the job and the thing and the wife and the kids and the thing and the soccer and the whatever, you know, and I say to them, I say, okay, let's move all of that aside. Tell me what you would like your life to look like. Now you would expect someone who's so unhappy and is bitching like that and complaining you would expect them to come back and say, you know what, what I really wanted to do was I should, I should have gone to law school right out of college. I always wanted to be a lawyer, you know, and I wanted to have, I wanted to live in an apartment in the city. I didn't want to have a house. in the city. They never answer that. And so to me, reinvention starts with really understanding what it is that you want and where you want to go, not just to yeah. complain. But to really think about what is it that I want? What do I want? Okay, I'm 33 years old. I'm not 33. I'm a lot older than that. But I'm saying, let's say you're <laughs> 33 years old. And you say, to, you say to yourself, what do I want? What is my life going to look like when I'm 40? Right? What do I want to look at? And that's always the beginning of the thought of reinvention is what do I want to look like? It's sort of this manifestation of what you want things to be. Mm. I want to be vice president of this company by the time I am 40. You write that down on a piece of paper, on a spreadsheet, on a send an email to yourself, whatever. You write that down and your mind needs to be set to that. 
I want to learn how to ski, right? I know that if I in the winter could take once a month and go skiing, I would have that balance in my life. I always wanted to do that. Yeah. You just have to understand what it is that you want to do and then execute it. But the problem people have and the reason they can't reinvent this is they're just stuck. They don't really even know what they want. Mm. So rather than sort of work at it and try to understand what it is about you, want they just complain and just continuously complain or, or not even complain, just be unhappy about it and just not really understand. So my advice always starts with thinking and trying to understand what it is that you want and then investigate yeah. and then start to look at it. And when we've gotten to that step, typically the person who says to me, you know, I want to go back. I, I really wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. And they, and they're working in, you know, they're working as a middle manager in a company someplace out of college because they got married early yep. and they didn't go to law school. Well, I said, okay, let's investigate that. Let's start looking. Let's start looking at law schools. Let's start. Let's see. Maybe you can go in there. You can start to take a couple of classes. The end of that doesn't necessarily mean the person goes to law school. The end of that could mean the person mm. helps out at the, at, the, at the shelter down the road for people who need legal assistance, who it could be something like that, that adds some fulfillment to their life. Yes. That actually is related to that or, or there's sort of a path that leads you. So now imagine you're working as a middle manager at an insurance company and you're upset at yourself that you wanted to be a lawyer. So you start to engage in this endeavor and three years later, it turns out you end up because of the circumstances at the Legal Aid Society, you end up running a chapter of the Legal Aid Society <laughs> where you're helping people in legal need. And that's how you end up reinventing yourself. You sort of engage in these journeys but the journey should be based on something that you really actually want to achieve. Yes. And what I gave, what the advice, forget everything I set up to now in this, in our talk, what I just gave is sort of the deepest, most important sort of way to transition your life. And ultimately it comes down to just do it, right? Figure out what you want to do and then just go do it and see where the path takes you. And if you do that and you repeatedly do that, because some of those paths will lead nowhere. They will actually lead like, I'm not going to law school. It's like $50,000 a year or it's $20,000 a year. The thing, it'll take me eight years. I'm going to not be able to enjoy my, my kids or whatever. I can't do that, but maybe I can. Do. So I think that'll sometimes paths can lead to dead ends. But if you keep trying these paths, you will eventually find a path that makes you happy and works for you. And that can lead to your reinvention. That's wonderful. I, I, I love that question, but I also love how you pointed out writing it down. And it actually, as you were talking about that, I thought, you know what, I am so bad at actually writing, writing that down. I'll have the thought, but there's something about writing it out, isn't there? That really plays a part in, um, in articulating <clears throat> that and, and reinventing yourself. Yeah. And I think sometimes even saying it to a partner, like you go to your partner and you yeah. say, "Hun." I want to be in shape. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to get my, my resting heart rate from 63 down to 57. Mm. And I want to be able to do 50 push-ups. Can you help me? That's a transitional moment, right? Because you've now publicly pronounced to someone you're going to see every day. You've actually set a goal and you've actually enlisted help. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot better than that thought you get in your mind after you've overeaten on a Sunday 
<clears throat> and then on Monday morning, you get up and you go, today's the day I'm going to die. Okay. <laughs> so, and so it's either write it down, you tell it to somebody, you publicly proclaim it, you do something, um, you, you do, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you create an action. Actually, that's a very deep spiritual principle we actually just touched on, which is um, the physical leads the emotional and the mental. So if there's something you don't like doing, you just force mm. yourself physically to do it. Yeah. And then the emotional and the mental typically follow behind. Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. Something else that came to mind as you were talking, which I really love, uh, once again, just the depth of that question. I agree. It's like you want to you change. You might be doing 20 other things, but start there. Actually ask yourself, who do you want to be? What do you want to look like in, you know, if you're 33 when you're 40? Um, I am a big fan of Patrick Lencioni's newest assessment called The Working Genius, and they, it, which is all about how we get work done. And they talk about this idea uh, of working genius uh, versus working competency versus working frustration, but working genius being that the sort of things that you do and it's like you pour coffee into a cup and then put the lid on. And not only is it hot, not only does it give you energy, but there's sustained heat, you know, it stays hot. And I think a lot of us, it can be helpful to just ask ourselves, what is it? So start with your question, which I, which I think is the key point to start, because you've got to look forward and then say, okay, what is it that I do that gives me not only that, um, that energy where I'm filled up by it, but it's sustained. If I did that every day, it would keep filling me up versus, th versus things that, yeah, okay, I really enjoy that. But if I did that every day, eventually uh, they talk about taking the lid off and how it actually cools down. It starts hot, but it cools down. And, uh, and I think it sounds so simple, doesn't it? F looking out and saying, who do I want to be? And then asking something like, what is it that when I do that, I have that sustained, it's sustainable. I love what I, what I get to do. And if you can just articulate that and then, um, the, the big the big thing for me coming back to work life machine idea is I think a lot of people need to need to realize we get so caught up in uh, the idea of burnout and, and these sort of things what is it that you could do that would actually um, that in the, what can you add into your life that is that coffee cup um, with the lid on sort of activity because often even like you said like with the legal aid even just an hour of that a week, can completely shift um, mindset. That, that's exactly right. And that's why I sort of led that story there because you can take somebody who is, feels like they're burning out. And the reason for burning out is they're actually, it's the wrong mindset about all of the things that are doing, but okay, let's say you're overworked. I think adding something like that, finding what that is, like you said, the lid on the coffee, that's going to keep you hot all the time. Something that, you know, you can always look forward to. Yes. That to me is the secret for preventing burnout is to sit there and say, you know, I'm having a tough week. We're under all these deadlines. We're under pressure. My boss is on my case. My, my, my husband is on my case. What am I going to do? But you know what? On Saturday morning, I'm going for a 20 mile bike ride with my buds and we are, we are going to go and stop at that place on the cliff and have beers and do that. And we're going to talk about something, you know, that's important and we're going to do this and I can look forward to that. Adding those kinds of things in really are the burnout extinguishers for sure. 
For sure. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if you don't have that in your life, you have to add that. And that is a work-life balance kind of concept in yes. that you need to actually find time for that kind of thing. So. Yeah, well said, Matt. Well, I want to jump into Leadership Express and just ask you a bunch of questions really quickly. First thing off the top of your head, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> What's one book that you've gifted a lot to people over time? Okay, I mean, my book, Leader of the Pack, I've gifted the most, but I'm going to move that aside because <laughs> that's kind of like cheating, right? <laughs> so I'm going to say the book that I have gifted the most is a book called Relentless, from good to great to unstoppable by Tim Grover. Okay. It's about having a mindset that is relentless in finding success. Ooh, love it. Um, any great podcasts that you're listening to at the moment or other sources right now that you're particularly reading, watching, listening to? Um, I like Joe Rogan. I mean, me and a, lo a lot of other people like yeah. to listen to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. I think that's... Um, you know, I'm not a regular listener, but I, I grab excerpts and so on from it. I just like his common man approach and letting the other person kind of just go at it. So yep. I think that's a good one, of course. Excellent. A recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I think this one I need to keep reminding myself of is that I need to trust in myself. Mm. is that once I start to go against what's in my gut, it always goes wrong, always. So, you know, I have enough experience. I'm not saying you don't learn, listen to people, but when you in your heart, you know what's the right thing and you don't trust yourself, you, you're, you're headed down a disaster. So leadership lesson, trust yourself. Brilliant. A time management or productivity tip or a tool or resource you use around time management productivity? Yeah, I'll give you my number one. Never make an appointment that you don't put in your calendar. Yeah, that's fantastic. Ever. I don't care what it is. <laughs> that's such a good tip. I don't think I've heard that before, but that is gold. It's well, so simple. I mean, it's, 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 so simpli it's so simplistic, it will actually change your life. So I don't care if your appointment is to get, you know, your shoe shined. Yeah. Put it in your calendar. That's so good. Uh, a tip around the work-life machine. Yeah, I would say that if you want that machine to run well, you have to be physically fit. Physical fitness is the foundation for mental and emotional strength, right? Physical strength. So make sure you keep yourself physically strong, working out, keeping yourself in shape. It's going to make you better at work, better in your relationships, just better in every way. So the machine for me ran really well because, you know, um, I kept myself in good shape. What's a great piece of advice you've received some point in your life from someone? Oh, I can do the couple of the ones that my dad gave me. Yeah. But I'm going to give you one. I'm going to get it's and but they're like kind of a little bit dirty. So I'll keep, I'll keep away from them. Okay. Something he told me to do when I went to college, but I'll, I'll skip that one for now. <laughs> um, what he said to me, he gave me a piece of advice, which is also from scripture. It's a, a spiritual piece of advice mm. is that in life, you should search to find one friend. Mm. What do I mean by that? I don't mean having a bunch of friends who come over for beers, mm. you know, or people that you kind of know from the neighborhood. I'm talking about your goal. A goal in life should be to find one friend, a friend that you can completely trust with anything that one 
that will wake up at three in the morning and come rescue you on the highway. Mm. Or if you're going through a divorce, you could go to and sleep over their place or talk to, or yeah. if you're having any kind of problem, you can reach to. And this is an extremely difficult thing to achieve in life. Very few people do it, but as an advice for happiness in your life and success, finding one good friend is the goal. That's wonderful. What's a big struggle or problem that you see leaders facing today? Uh, today, uh, the problem is uh, it's really related to something I would call cancel culture and sort of understanding how to act in this environment without getting themselves into some sort of trouble, even when mm -hmm. they're not looking for trouble or not trying to do anything. And I think that that's a very bad thing because it really detracts from your ability to create success when you start to act with hesitation. So to me, I think that's a huge issue for leaders today, what to do you know, with, with this kind of thing, considering the tensions that exist in society today. Yeah, well said. Uh, a movie or a TV show that really impacted you? A movie or a TV show? Ah, I have to do this one. Mm -hmm. For me, I love The Sopranos. Yeah, um, this one's a little bit older. No, no, love it. The Sopranos was 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 filmed in New Jersey. I know all the locations that the stuff was filmed at. Been wow. in those restaurants and those businesses and stuff like that. So for me, that was a really kind of funny movie. And people used to compare me in a good way to Tony Soprano. So yeah. for me, yeah, that's, that is, that's the way to go. That's the that's show. fantastic. Yeah, I love mm -hmm. it. Uh, a quote that you're particularly <laughs> fond of for life or leadership. Um, a quote um, for me it's my own quote it's the one that I gave you and it's the one that I live by and yep. that's the question you should continually ask yourself which is how badly do you want it if you and for me that guides almost anything that I do of importance in my life so to me that's the quote how badly do you want it excellent uh, a couple more what's a tip for finding and keeping great talent uh, the tip is to understand, I get, I actually have been on many panels at conferences and you get asked that question a lot hmm. and people always say, well, do, do your homework, investigate the people, you know, they give you all sorts of these sort of formulatic answers. And what I always say is the number one quality you should look in a person you hire is kindness. Hmm. If you assemble a team of kind people, ones that will treat each other, the customers, suppliers, and whoever, in a kind way, you will create a work environment which will be highly productive and highly stable. So that was something that I would always look for. Yeah, of course, you want somebody competent and you want somebody who's trustworthy, yada, yada, yada. We know all of that. But really the deep quality and the key to building that team is finding kind people. Yeah, I love that kindness if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader what would you say oh that's that's easy however hard you think you're going to work work twice as hard and then work harder again <laughs> that's great i remember hearing um i think jerry seinfeld was on the tim ferris podcast and he talked about having a billboard that just said just 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 work or just do the work and I just thought, yeah, similar thing, right? Like you just work twice as hard. Yeah, I, I think for the generations, the, yeah, the younger generations right now who, you know, think that business ownership, being an entrepreneur is cool, right? <laughs> we always say as entrepreneurs, you work 80 hours a week, so you don't have to work 40. Yeah. yeah. 
I love that, Matt. That's cool. Um, okay, and the last question, what's the best thing you're doing at the moment as a leader uh, that, you, that other leaders should know about? Yeah, I think in, in my case, um, and Greener Process Systems is a startup, and, and a very, very important thing to do is to work within the scenario that you have work within your budget, work within what's available to you and don't overextend yourself. You know, in today's world, there are many, many businesses out there, startup businesses, people want to be involved in this kind of thing and they don't conserve their capital. They extend themselves too far. They, they sort of get themselves out of bounds very quickly and that's the way to fail. And so my leadership tip always for somebody in a situation like that is to really stay within the bounds of, of what you have. Use the tools you have. Don't overextend yourself and don't overspend yourself. That's amazing advice. Uh, well, Matt, this has been uh, been so much fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it and I've gotten so much out of it. My brain's ticking with all the different thoughts. It, it's been really, uh, really challenging in the best way for me. Where can people find you if, like me, they're listening and going, oh, man, this is... I have to get more of, of this guy, of this guy or they want to find you online? Sure, of course. I am online everywhere with the same screen name because I was an early adopter of social media. So I am M Sweetwood everywhere, msweetwood.com. They can find out about my book, Leader of the Pack. You can follow me on Twitter at msweetwood. I got a big following, Facebook, msweetwood, LinkedIn, and so on. I have a big following everywhere and I do respond to people. I answer them. I love when I'm on uh, you know, a show like this and people reach out to me and ask me questions, I always respond. So thanks for giving me that opportunity. M Sweetwood at M Sweetwood. And just again, what's uh, what's the name of your book again, just so, or the title of your book, sorry, so people can go and find that? It is Leader of the Pack, How a Single Dad of Five Led His Kids, His Business, and Himself from Disaster to Success. Available on Amazon. 147 five-star ratings go for it and i i think you might be getting some more five-star ratings out of um uh listeners here because i i just i loved hearing you talk about that it was so vulnerable so profound i, I know it really challenged me and uh, and i know there'll be a lot of people uh jumping over to your website and to amazon to to grab that uh, so matt i can't thank you enough like i said honestly this has been such a joy and uh, I'm having to really focus my concentration because I love thinking about these sort of ideas because there's, there's seriously 10 things that you've mentioned that are my brain's ticking around work-life machine, around, um, you know, the question you ask yourself, and uh, what, what do I want to look like at 40? There's been so much that's been uh, just absolute gold. So uh, a massive thank you for being so generous to come on with your, with your time and chat about all things leadership. It's been a real joy. Thank you. No, the pleasure has been all mine. And thanks for giving me a chance. You know, I really appreciate getting out there and having a chance to reach out to your audience. And hopefully, like I said in the beginning, we can, we, we do some good for somebody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. 
We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O'White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases, you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. 
and I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 